Hi, I'm Cornell. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. And welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where three hair whipping, heel strutting Jamaican queens talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms Bottom up. up. We need to work on our timing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I keep pausing and trying to wait for you guys to like join in, but it just never seems to happen. But I'm I'm here for the for the lagged or the layered bottoms up that happens. It's fine. Or we can start calling it a one, two, three, and then boom in our heads. <laughs> okay. Hey everyone. Hi, how y'all doing? What y'all have been doing? Wanna- what have you been up to? More like. Mm. Well, I went so uh, I went to the Christmas market yesterday. Um, it's a thing that they do in Toronto every few, well, every year, I guess. Um, they have like a bunch of like craft and food things there. It was a good time. Yeah. I mean, not much else is going on really besides the usual teaching stuff, but yeah. And you, Kareem? Well, I'm over here obsessing about looks for this upcoming conference. And I was trying to incorporate some of what Glenroy was saying around playing around with the African prints and so on. So I have me a cute little piece that I'm going to debut and um, serve the other scholars in life. Right? Um, but outside of that, I've been obsessing about this video that's been going around with the, the, the valedictorian of Edna Mandy's graduation. Oh, gosh, big up yeah. your blood clot self. Big up. Yes, I mean. Listener, listener. And then on the <laughs> other side, I'm obsessing over the, over the mother who's um upset about her son's red stripe beer graduation photo. We oh. have to pose with the Ross Clark beer. She, she, the, oh, the UPT woman. Oh my I, God. I, in her reaction, I was wor- wondering about that. Like, there's actually a video or a recording of her. All right, well, he, re- he she's not on video, but he recorded her voice. He's like, so why are you cursing at me, mommy? And she said, how am I supposed to send that video around with you with that beer? You know how many people are looking forward to that graduation photo? And I'm supposed to send this around to you? Like, why are you fucking crazy? Why do you have to go there with that, that Ross Clark beer? <laughs> the Ross Clark took me out. I, I guess I'm a dead. But if too awful for true, back to bad, I'm going to ask <laughs> One with the beer and one without. Him too terrible. The lady has to have like a upset. But as me never did a graduation picture, me can't talk. Right, me worse. Uh, that's for me. Oh gosh, so today I was at another podcast. I'm not cheating on y'all, I promise. Um, but my good friend, hear me about good friend, but Netanya, who does Netschat, she's a, she's a lovely person I met um, through Twitter. And I gave her this idea for like a art girl podcast. So that was done today. And I was there to be, uh, I was able to be in the studio with them. And it was really cool to just be there and be on the other end and see what it's like watching people record a podcast. And I get some good feedback. And she says every time um, someone suggests, you know, do a topic on sexuality, she's sends them over to Fish Tea. So I get good girl promo from Netanya. So big up yourself, Netanya, and Netshot, anyone a day. And it's just good to see that people are loving what we're doing and supporting us in different ways. Yeah, Ray, big up yourself, Netshot. <laughs> so let's dive right into it. Um, so this week's episode is called Brimstone and Fire. Mm-hmm. What, queer spirituality? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, queerness and spirituality. So... JFLAG gets a lot of flack every year for the past two years because we do something called Out for Jesus, um, which is an event that seeks to provide a space for queer people in Jamaica with um, who are our faith and want to celebrate their faith in that moment of pride. And so we are lucky today to have with us someone who was a part of the original 
um, Out for Jesus when it happened and has supported not just our work, um, but supported the movement in different ways. Um, over the years, he is a minister of the gospel and author. What name you again? Grab you some lemons. Grab you some lemons. Yeah, in the to the punch. <laughs> a corporate trainer and career pre- oh career pivoting coach. Let me get that right. Owner of Oyenge. Yeah. Yeah, I pronounced it right. Yeah. Owner of Oyenge Professional Services and Consultants. And they offer community and social development consultancies, business development, and strategic planning services. And him is a good, good keynote speaker, Kaim Kansak. And so, welcome. Damien Williams to the Fish Tea Podcast, our first official guest. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You know, me clap, though. Me clap. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, Damien will be guiding us through this conversation about queerness and spirituality. And since out of everybody else, so me are the biggest Eden, um, <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and learn from everyone else. Um, about how they're able to kind of exist within that intersection. It's something that I've always admired about queer people who are of faith uh, because people automatically assume that you're non-existent. So we're going to start with the simple question of, I guess, what is your understanding of um, God or Supreme Being? And we'll start with Cornell and Kareem and then we'll um, hand it over to David. Oh, wow. Wait, well, what is our understanding of like God? God, Supreme Being or of, I guess, how you mm. came to religion. Let me see. I'm trying to figure out, I mean, I so, so it's funny, like growing up in Jamaica is one of those things where religion is so embedded in the culture. It's something that we only recognize as distinct, perhaps like much later on to this idea of having devotions and grace and like prayers. Is this like a, something that you, that you did? And I didn't really think much of it until um, I was a bit... Older, I guess now I'm at this stage where when I think of God, I think of, I don't know, this like spirit or energy that is hopefully out there in the world that is, I don't know, trying to keep checks and balances in. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think my version of God or what I think of God or a supreme big or an entity out in the world is what Christians think about. But I want to believe that there is something out there as a way to help me make sense of my own life despite the fact that I'm not going to church right now. But I mean, so yeah, that's kind of like the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I mean, similar to Cornell, um, God, well, f- first, God was maybe forced upon me. The idea of religion was forced upon me in terms of like how we grew up. And well, it was almost like natural. Like you were supposed to believe in God. You were supposed to go to church. You were supposed to attend Sunday school and do all these, partake in religious festivities and celebrations and so on. But um, I think now my understanding of who God is has since changed somewhat. Um, It no longer looks like the God that I've learned um, when I was younger, the God that punishes and the God that, you know, ignores you or doesn't, issue blessings to you because you're deemed unworthy or something of that sort. God is this like big man- magnificent being that helps to I don't know when when whenever I can't carry on I feel like it's this idea of God or supreme being who helps me carry on and helps me get to wherever I'm trying to get to and that has since been kind of like my own definition I guess of who God is. But then I'm also like, like I go between God, the universe, the spirits. So I don't know, like trying to conceptualize God has always been, well, now even more is kind of like difficult for me because he is just never one thing or she is just never one thing for me. Um, and God shows up in different ways and 
manifest yeah. themselves in different ways for me. So, can I, can I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, can I just add something really a, close, quickly? Question. When I was saying too about Jamaican culture and how embedded religion is, um, one of the really jarring things that happened to me when I moved to Canada, I remember the first time someone said that they are an atheist out loud. I had this, I had to do like a double take. I was like, are you allowed to say that out loud? Like, what do you mean you are, you're an atheist? What do you mean you don't believe in a God? Because the assumption is, despite, like, regardless of whether or not people actively go to church in Jamaica, the assumption is that everyone believes in God and is like, believes in the, the kind of like principles of, of, of Christianity. So I just kind of like wanted to bring that in too, in terms of like our encounters with like, um, when we go outside of the Caribbean or the Jamaican context and our experiences with like other um, faiths or non-faiths even. But in any case, yeah. Ooh, so Damien. All right. What are you? Okay, let me first start by saying I won't premise this definition oh, from a biblical point of view, mm-hmm. be, but from a personal point of view, because not everybody who will be hearing this podcast subscribes to the Bible mm-hmm. as, as a Bible. Right. And let me also say that though I grew up in church, my faith journey has been one where there was a point that I no longer subscribed to Christianity. Um, I have tried everything from Buddhism to New Age and New Thought, um, to even becoming atheist mm-hmm. um, in my faith journey. I think that's what we meant. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, in my faith journey, and have had somewhat of a full circle in terms of making sense of my life, making sense of this whole existence, um, and trying to answer the question when I was looking for a sort of peace. Who am I? Where am I from? Why am I here? And what happens after here? So to to try to answer the question of the meaning of life. And uh, having come back to to the place where my faith led me to an understanding of that which is the uncaused caused Mm-hmm. That which never existed, but always was. Um, who has purposed for me to be here in this particular moment in time? And so who has also written his laws on the tablets of my heart so that I can sort of find my way back to that purpose and meaning? Mm-hmm. So in the, if I were to just summarize the definition, God is purpose and meaning and life wow mm. i didn't expect um not, and it's not that i expected uh something finite mm. but it is so infinite yeah. in its response that mm. i didn't expect that, that, that that's very interesting right what do you but let me also add quickly let me also add quickly that when we also think of God, we have to think about the person that we look at across from us. Um, because all of us, wherever we are on this faith spectrum, all of us are an expression of the divine of that which is eternal. Mm. And so when I look at you, Glenroy, right now, what I see is the expression of that which is divine and it is beautiful and it is worthy and you you would know that is my tag word yeah. worthy yes worthy yeah Ooh. i hashtag i am worthy yes oh gosh it feels so nice <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, any of you would like to respond to that? I mean, Karim, I know you've said that um, Damien's work has influenced you in a certain kind of way. Um, how do you respond to that kind of um, amorphous, if that's a good term to use, definition of um, a god or a supreme entity or, 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 a, a, full, or a creative force, yeah. in, in essence? I mean, and I've always tried to give Damien props as it relates to where I am now and where I'm going as it relates to like my faith journey and so on. So again, Damien, thank you so much. Um, I met Damien, how long ago was this? Like a few years back, maybe when I just migrated to the United States, 2011, 2012, maybe. And um, I was going through, and I guess this is kind of like preempting some of the other things that we'll talk about. Um, I was going through what I've called like my fall from grace, where I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with God because in my mind, God hated me. He wanted nothing to do with me. Um, God does not approve of me. And this is just pretty much the rhetoric that I heard growing up. And most important, well, most um, vividly was this um, devotion at school one morning and our guidance counselor, who's a reverend, came up and he started to preach from what some scripture, I forgot what it was. And he was preaching about the, like God being in the image of, um, in the image of man or vice versa. And then essentially saying that, essentially saying that God, um, you know, approves of the man that walks like this and talks like this. And essentially anything outside of what that imagery was, was not of God and therefore is not approved by God. And I'm looking at myself as the young teenager with um, who enjoys growing his nails, who was flamboyant as all hell, and um, you know is not in that image that he described. And in my mind, I'm just like, well, why would I even subscribe to that God that does not believe in who I am or accept me as I am? And so I wanted nothing to do with the church, and I stopped going to church. I resented church. My mom tried for years to get me to go back, and I just. I just didn't want anything to do with church. And I met Damien and we were having that conversation. And essentially he told me to try to get to know God on my own terms. Forget about the reverend, forget about what everybody else said. What does God mean to me? How does God show up for me? And what does that look like? And so the idea of, you know, defining God as purpose, as of, as meaning and, and as life, um, were kind of the sentiments that I came across when I started my own faith journey. And when I started to reconcile my um, my spirituality with my queerness. So, I mean, I, I have a few questions. So I was very much taken by the the statement where you said, um, where you were talking this idea of God as purpose. Like, I find that very seductive and I find it very compelling. Uh, one of the things I'm interested in thinking about would be what, for you, I guess, would be the difference between, like, faith and religion. And maybe those two things are, are, are the same thing for you. Maybe not. Um, I'm also interested in... Because, because I think the the idea of you know finding purpose and you know uh, having a belief system is one thing, but then how does that connect to one's kind of like lived experience in these different places? So I remember when I was in high school, someone had said there's a difference between Christianity and the church, and because men, as like as, as in men, as in the capital M in terms of like human beings, are made are like flawed, they're going to be coming in with their own kind of like you know baggage or whatever, and so. Whereas some people might have negative experiences in the church that might, that doesn't mean that there's anything necessarily wrong with Christianity. And so I wonder, 
like how are you able to like reconcile some of those things in terms of like well the the bible or the word might say it might have a particular kind of message but then the way people might be treating you um within these different spaces is like another thing i'm also interested in thinking about well what is it that we get from our faith that we are unable to get um elsewhere and i'm not doing that to be like say asking that to be to be cynical, I'm I'm actually um, curious because if it if it's a kind of because I mean for some people it's this idea of community for some people it's it's healing and I guess I'm just like wondering um, what is different about how that manifests within spiritual or religious spaces that you can't get in other contexts. So for clarity, so the two questions are the, the how you perceive the difference between church and Christianity or um, religion and faith, and then the other question. Um, Oh, oh gosh, you missed me. You did get it? Yeah. Okay. You answer the other one after yeah. you answer the first. Okay. Right. Um, religion. Religion for me is an organized way of having customs, rules, traditions, statements of faith that are oppressive, that are restrictive, and that are void of love. Mm. For me, Faith is that which embraces the uncaused cause, the purpose and life that I spoke about, the eternal one. Faith is rested not in circumstance, not in rules, not even in a belief system, but faith is rested in that which we call God, a person. Mm powerful if i do say so myself um and then the second question was oh, about the second question was about what 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 does faith provides provide oh, right. for those who believe that persons outside of that um box perhaps cannot mm-hmm. that's what that's what your question was yeah, i guess what does faith actually right i can speak of my experience i can speak of my faith journey and compare where I embraced faith to versus where I rejected faith, where I suspended faith, right? So I can speak to that. So we'll do that and then have you two also share your faith journey. So go ahead. Right, because I don't want to speak for everybody and say, what faith has provided me with was the answer to the questions I spoke to before about what I was asking myself about the why of my life. Because I certainly, if why I came here was to eat and breathe and extract as much as I could from this life, then that is meaningless. There must have been a greater cause for me being here. And that kind of gave my life a particular kind of clarity, a particular kind of focus, a particular kind of steadfastness so that I'm not easily moved by circumstance. So I am am self-employed basically. And when a contract ends and I am worrying about, okay, if I don't get another contract in about two, three months, then my ass is grass. But even when that happens, I'm in a position now where I am able to say, it will be well. 
Not that I'm, 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 I'm thinking it might be well. I know for certain. I have arrived at this certainty because I know that there is a path, there's a particular purpose for my life and that I have to fulfill that before I am extracted from here so that all things will work together for my good. I may not understand how, but I know it will. And so I have this kind of clarity, this kind of steadfastness that I have a a deep, a real deep-seated joy and peace that I have never had outside of this space of faith. How did you come to that? Joy and peace, yes. How were you able to get those questions answered? Okay. So if this uncaused cause that has caused everything to happen, this uncaused cause must have had a cause for this, a purpose, a plan. It is not an arbitrary existence. So you can call me a determinist, mm -hmm. if you will, um, because there is reason. This is an intelligent design of existence. Mm -hmm. So if that is what it, how this world is, is, is to, to exist, then it means the script is already written. So my beginning and my end are determined. In between, I may not know what is going to happen. So why worry when the worrying doesn't solve any of the issue okay. and there is an expected end? Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'm wondering is that, so because you talked about um, going through different religions mm. and going through different <clears throat> ideologies and then stepping away from belief, in a sense. Yes, I, I guess I'm wondering... I, at which point along that did you come to this space where you are now? Oh, yeah. Oh, doesn't that? <laughs> so, um, I went to seminary, and while in seminary, um, I I kind of had sense. I was I was I wasn't too dumb as I am now. <laughs> and so while while studying, I became a teaching assistant, so a tutor of of, of theology, and I had the knowledge i i had i understood the language that the bible was the languages the bible was written in so i understood the greek and the hebrew and the meaning of all of that so technically and academically i had the knowledge right so one of my professors decided to start a bible study because when you go to seminary a lot of the indoctrination that you would have gotten from your various denominations um you have to grapple with with that is either you hold on to that and say okay that is what me know and that is truth or you say boy i never did know and my pastor did lie to me all these years and so people grapple with that so i had that academic knowledge so when i left the faith my professor decided to start a bible study because a lot of the people who were part of that no longer felt that they had a space mm -hmm. in their church, in where they were coming from, right? So we started the Bible study. He invited me to, to teach, um, to be his assistant, um, because he, I have the knowledge. I could help them understand and make sense of, 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 of their faith. Mm -hmm. So I started to, to prepare for those studies um, and, 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 and trying to, to answer the questions, anticipate the questions that I think I may be asked and all of that. 
and it had been years that we had that Bible study, then we, we started a church and, and all of that, and I was doing that. And then the, what I was teaching started to make sense to me. It was reasonable. It stood the test of interrogation and content, constant, contestation in my <laughs> mind, right? And uh, I started to feel really convicted. And uh, that began my journey, mm. full circle. Yeah. So it wasn't anybody preaching to me. It was the word I was speaking. What was I was mulling over and grappling with in my mind that transformed me, that had the power to shift me because I was done with church. I had been broken and hurt by the church so much so that while I was at seminary, I attempted suicide several times. I was on Depocote and Wellbutrin. My psychiatrist, and this is perhaps a free promotion for him, very good, still is today, was Garnet Shetty. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. So I was done with it. This no longer made sense, neither for community, for sentimental reasons, or for intellectual reasons. It just did not make sense. I was not so much of a masochist. But then the words that I was mulling over in my mind, the grappling with what I was reading, that really broke me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, so in terms of you, um, yourselves, Cornell and Kareem, um, how were you able, well, you know, Cornell is probably somewhere else in his journey or still on that kind of a journey. But for Kareem, how were you then able to get to a space where um, faith is a part of how you understand yourself. I think for me, it was um, the idea of, like I said, so when I started, it was, you know, the encouragement from Damien saying, read the word, don't focus on what religions say, don't focus on what other people are saying, what does it mean to you? And I started reading the word, right? The word being the Bible. And the verses that I would come across are the ones that would tell you how wonderful you are, how great you are, how much God loves you, and no matter, nothing could make you unlovable in God's sight, and so on and so forth. And at that time as well, I was also engaging in praying the gay away. So I remember, um, and my mom is probably going to confront me about this situation. Um, when I graduated from Woman, she gave me this um, laptop, a brand new laptop, lovely, expensive um, piece of HP that uh, some dude lulled me into letting me know that he could install some software that would allow me to get um, internet, free Wi-Fi, anywhere, wherever I went. And I fell for it, gave him my laptop, and this dude had me on this wild goose chase um, trying to get the laptop back. Long story short, he ran away with it, and I prayed. I prayed, guys, when I tell you, I prayed so hard, and I bartered with God, and I said, God, if you get me back this, because I didn't want to tell my mom, of course, you know, you're scared more, you're, like, you're more scared of the ass whooping that you're going to get um, with Jamaican parents. I'm just like, Ma, um, God, if you give me back this laptop or allow me to get this laptop back, I would stop being gay. And I prayed that prayer on multiple occasions for multiple reasons. Like, you know, I'd, I'd stop being gay. And whenever I prayed certain prayers, well, that particular prayer, 
nothing would happen, right? Mind you, I'm praying for other things and it's manifesting, it's happening. So in my mind, God is hearing my prayers, right? God is listening and 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 God is making making stuff happen. And so for this, for me, it was just like, for at least for me, it was affirmation that if God wanted you any other way, he would have made you some other way. Like you would, you'd be straight, probably married with somebody like you. That's not who God wanted you to be. Stop trying to pray away the gate. Like you're fine as you are. You are loved as you are. And that was for me kind of like my moment of, aha, I'm fine. You guys are just ignorant to this whole thing. Like I'm fine as God sees me as I'm made. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like it's okay for me to love men and be attracted to men in the eyes of God. Like this is, this is more about y'all and less, uh, less about me. Um, and then I came here and I started, again, started exploring. So I started going to, um, LGBT affirming, um, worship services. And there was another elder, elder Kevin Taylor, I think, who said something about John 3.16. And John 3.16, I've heard that like so many times, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But he started stressing the whosoever. And he said, the next time somebody tries to disqualify you in front in the eyes of God, just let them know that John 3.16, like whosoever, and let them know that you are a whosoever, meaning anybody has access to God. And then the, the motto for the church was, God is love and love is for everyone. And I ran with that word love, the idea of God being love, right? And love being for everyone. So if if God is love and everybody's worthy of love and everybody has access to that love, that means I have access to that love as I am, where I am. And whatever work that God sees fit, God will make it happen. And that was for me, like, those were those like moments that cemented or affirmed for me that, you know, I'm okay, right? I, I have the same access to this God that the other self-righteous and pious Christians think they have. Like, I'm, I'm good right here. Like, I, as I am, where I am, God sees me fit. And whatever he has or she has to do for me is going to happen. And that's just been me. I've been, been open to whatever God has for me since then. And just also seeing on the personal realm, just seeing things manifest that I've prayed for and seeing how opportunities just align themselves for me in the moments when I've questioned whether or not I belong in a certain space and just seeing how that answer, that question is answered by something is like, for example, I, um, when I started the PhD program, I was not sure whether or not I wanted to be, somebody told me you didn't want to be labeled the LGBTQ scholar. And I'm like, well, that's what I'm passionate about. And, you know, I started to question that myself. Like, do I really want to be classified as the LGBTQ scholar? But then opportunities just started aligning themselves. Somebody out of nowhere would come to me, hey, I'm writing this paper. Would you like to be a co-author on this? Is this something that you might be interested? I heard you might be interested in this. Is this something? Does this align with you? And just so like every time, just just this alignment of, okay, this is, again, maybe my purpose. Like this is my purpose, right? This is what God has planned for me. And so God is making sure that the opportunities find me. When I'm questioning whether or not I belong in those spaces, I get an invitation out of nowhere. Somebody's inviting me to do a webinar. Somebody's inviting me to attend this conference. Somebody's inviting me to present at a particular conference about a particular topic that I'm trying to figure out whether or not it, it's for me. So those are, those are the moments that has kind of like affirmed and cemented whether or not, you know, this whole God thing, this whole spirituality thing is for me as a queer man, most importantly. 
And you, Cornell, um, what has been or what is your the status of your current faith journey, if, if you have one and if you're interested in one? Yeah, okay, so I feel like there are way too many thoughts going off in, in, my, in my head right now. Um, there were a few things I wanted to respond to in terms of Kareem's comments. So one of the, the concerns I have sometimes is I think there is a way in which people... Um, in, 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 I guess in an attempt to locate ourselves within the, the narrative of Christianity or God's loved ones, there's a kind of uh, selective reading, perhaps, of the text that ends up being in individualistic. So, I mean, I, I guess I feel like if the general consensus or if the general um, message is that um, Christians or, you know, a particular religious group is responding to a particular community in, in, in a kind of way. I don't want to have to do the extra work of like trying to find reasons for them to like accept me as one of the beloved, you know? And so I have weird feelings about that. I also don't want to have to do this thing where I'm treating the, the Bible as this. And, and I mean, maybe, maybe it is the case that it's a debatable um, text where, well, this person said this, but no, this person said this. And it becomes this like weird thing. And I'm like, I don't want to have to necessarily do that work. Like, like what is the kind of like overall message and how can we focus on um, the sentiment of, of, of that message, I guess would be the first thing. Kareem was talking about this idea of, you know, being rooted or being planted in places that might evidence, you know, the, the work that God is doing in his life. And I think so I think I mentioned in one of in an earlier episode that I got baptized shortly before I left. And part of why that happened was I was also in a headspace where I felt like God was doing a particular kind of work in my life. So, you know, I was um, getting like school, like high school was ending. I was trying to figure out like, how am I going to get out of Jamaica and, you know, be able to pursue post-secondary opportunities elsewhere. And I felt like um, things were happening in my life. And I was like, okay, dope. Like God is on my side there was a relative. So I came up for my sister's wedding a few months before I was supposed to start school. And I was very seduced by some of the, by a particular kind of like living situation that was being offered to me at the time. And these people were Christians and they were like, we can support you. We're going to help you out. And um, I was like, okay, dope. I'm going to get baptized. I'm become, I'm going to become one of, you know, the beloved. It's going to be a great uh, time. And so I was like, you know, if I pray hard enough, if I do all of this work, I'll be able to pray the gay away. And I, I did the whole, and I mean, I guess many, a lot of queer folks can mm -hmm. probably have an experience of, you know, trying to pray the gay away or whatever. And my friends were like, Cornell, like we're concerned for you. I remember it happened shortly before I left and they were like, this is like not healthy. It happened when I was in my first year of university. And I, and I mean, it got so bad that someone had to be like, you know what's well, okay well i mean i guess for full disclosure purposes um there were multiple points in my life where um, part, well, part of it would have to do with religion where i was considering suicide as well because i'm here like oh my god i'm trying so hard i'm praying i'm praying i'm doing i'm trying i'm doing all of this stuff and it's like not happening and so i'm also thinking of um oh right because kareem was also saying about the, the idea that well you know god made us this way and i'm a uh, hesitant to jump on board with um statements like that because on the other hand you know we would there there are christians who are going to say things like you know this is a burden that god has you know put on you in your life to like carry and like work through as a test of 
you know, your work ethic or your strength and you'll be able to overcome this. And so they aren't seeing it as this like, oh, you know, well, I, God made me this way and so I deserve to be loved. They're like, no, this is something that you need to overcome through God's help. And it is through becoming closer to God that you'll be able question. to, to well, overcome sorry to this. You, but question, um, but why, why sorry, would their perspective matter? And I ask that because um, listening to both Damien and Karim, um, and they talk about their faith journeys, it's about coming to a personal understanding of the text and the word and developing their own faith as a result. So I'm wondering why does, why would how people perceive your understanding of your own faith or just these other possible approaches to faith? Why would that even matter? Yeah. Okay, so I'll try to explain this as eloquently as I can. I think my understanding of, let's say, Christianity, it's not meant to be something that's a kind of like individual. I mean, yes, people have their personal journeys and all of that. Like, I get that. But I think, how do I say this? Okay. If a community has decided that, okay, let's say Christians, like it was created by a community, right? Like Judaism were, were created by a particular um, group of people and they've constructed these different um, systems and they're like this is who our God is and these these are the kind of things that or, or the laws or the policies or whatever that our um, God wants us to believe I don't think it is my job then to I guess bend some of those um, whatever has been written or decided upon to locate myself within that because I guess my question then would be why are we looking towards their God instead of like thinking about, okay, I just, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is the God that we are thinking about or imagining on our personal journey, the same God that like someone in the Pestacultural church is like thinking about, right? And why is it that we need their body of scripture or texts to understand our relationship or kind of like personal but don't relationship. you think that that's so, that that, that that's so that you're essentializing faith or faith communities in a certain kind of way because if you think if i'm thinking through um the fact that um ideologies of faith and religions are developed through in many ways collections of individuals who take a certain perspective on life and on teachings and and and, and make it into something and that's why we have all these different um denominations and perspectives because people different points read something and, and, de right. and departed in their interpretation of it and if we understand um really different the different the differentiations in or the minor differentiations within religions denominations and sects as a result of people's interpretation of the same thing then i don't necessarily see anything wrong or anything problematic or um about someone taking a certain interpretation of the Bible and seeing them and placing themselves within that and re and acknowledging that even within that communitarian understanding of this is what the religious belief is, that there are problems, there are structures and there are hierarchies which were created that exclude a certain set of people, including yourself. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with seeing that and therefore creating a, an, an individualistic or idiosyncratic um, set of um, beliefs based on your relationship with what you've read. And would you want to? Yeah. Um, uh -huh. I believe human beings are born with that inner knowledge of that which exists outside of themselves. Whether we call that God or we call that aliens and UFOs or whatever we, we give to that inner knowledge that there exists a life outside of the life that we know. And if we look at the 
the people who existed before us, the Amerindians, they too had their, their community of faith. Where did that come from? So here is what I would say. The faith that I have in that life that is outside of myself, and I have worked that out in my mind, we all need community. Whether we, we call it a faith community or a social community, we, we are born with that desire for community, for, 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 for being in the presence of someone else. Um, so having come to faith, one looks for a community where one can express that faith, that knowledge of purpose and, and life outside of ourselves. I have chosen to align my faith with that which we call Christianity. And when I say Christianity, I'm not using Christianity in the sense of uh, that which we know as the organized group of, of people, but I'm using Christianity as explained in the book that Christian community used, the Bible. And there is a glaring difference, trust me, between the Christianity that we see explained in the Bible and the Christianity that we see practiced. Sunday after Sunday, mm -hmm. we spend our time trying to disabuse people of that which traditions have caused them to imbibe and to become trying to retrain people's mind to understand that the Christianity, as explained in the Bible, is one that operates at the margins, is one that sees and pulls people to the table where there is room for all of God's children. If we read the accounting acts that people take with the speaking in tongues thing, what was happening in the moment was a breaking down of a barrier. It was a language barrier. So when people were speaking, the 120 people were speaking, they were speaking the same message in different languages so that everybody will hear the same message that was bringing community together, not being divisive and not being oppressive. But what we see today does not obtain. And Acts chapter two really is the beginning of what we call Christianity. And so I have chosen to walk out my faith as a Christian, as defined in scripture, because that is closest in what I hold as truth. Every other mm -hmm. faith community requires me to do something to appease my supreme being, that I, my deity. Christianity, as explained in the Bible, does not have that requirement of me because I am loved unconditionally. I mean, so I mean, I guess what I, I should have um, included in my initial comments and it goes back to a question I was asking um, earlier. So the kind of content or the sentiment of 
Christianity is is one thing, but the distinction I was making in terms of people's experiences with the church in terms of how um, like actual people act and interact mm-hmm. with with you know, marginalized communities is like different. I also take the point, or I'm reminded of the point that you were making earlier too about the difference between um, faith and religion. So yes, if it is the case that there are particular principles or values or messages that you're taking for, you know, in, in, in pursuit of carving out your kind of own relationship with your God, um, that's one thing. What I was trying to say was, I mean, I, and I guess this is, obviously this is based on my own experience, but people who are associated with the church have made it very clear that I have no place there. And I don't want to have to do the labor of trying to find reason and find ways to be included um, in that kind of community if they've already decided that there there is no place for me. I guess is the point mm-hmm. that I was trying to make. Um, and I... And, um... Yeah, I'm thinking that potentially, given time, but also just what we're talking about, this might be a good time for us to start um, talking about how our queerness um, or not has affected our faith journeys. And I guess, I mean, Kareem has talked a bit about it, and I think um, Carnell, through his um, conversations and questions, is alluding to it. It would be good to kind of hear from Damien as well, um, whether or not it it, um, impacted his journey at all. Um, as we speak. But yeah, say what you're going to say, um, Kareem, and then we can get into that more explicitly. I mean, I, it was just a kind of like a, a quick response to Cornell's like previous point about like going into those spaces and essentially having to prove or um, make the argument that you belong or that you have access to those spaces just the same as them. Um, you don't have to, right? I'm not speaking to you specifically, but even to our to our viewers and our listeners who might have the same sentiments, because I went through that as well. Um, and I think for me, why I'm able to go into those spaces and potentially make those kind of arguments is because I've gotten some strength from going into f- first encountering the, the the affirming spaces, right? So I've been to the LG, the, the churches where the population has been largely LGBTQ, where there's an LGBTQ-identified pastor in the pulpit delivering the word um, from week to week. I've been to those places, and I think because I've been to those places, right, um, I'm able to now go into other places and say, hey, I have just as much access to this God that you seem to, that we seem to be talking about just as much as you do. So... At first, you don't necessarily need to go into those spaces to make those arguments. I mean, even now, I'm having kind of those conversations where I'm, I grew up Methodist, so I came here, and of course, my mom wanted us to find a Methodist church to go to and so on. And if anybody's paying attention to the news, the Methodist congregation, the Methodist denomination, I'm sorry, is currently going um having this, these debates or a series of uh, meetings to decide whether or not they want to acknowledge LGBTQ um, members as individuals as full um, members that have rights to get married in their respective congregations or to even allow pastors to um, to ha- allow LGBTQ identified individuals to be um, ordained as pastors and bishops and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I'm in those spaces now because I feel like it is almost like my personal responsibility because I've been able to um, go on this journey and 
I consider myself somewhat able to have these conversations or to be able to stand up to whatever they might throw at me to go into those spaces and say, hey, how would you feel? Like, how would you want to be treated if you were this individual? Or to have those kind of like reverse or what if conversations. Um, but for me, I don't think I would able to. I would have been able to do that if I didn't start out going to. I think it's called the Liberation and Truth Unity Fellowship churches here in the United States that are LGBTQ affirming, that have LGBTQ individuals that are that have you know that are currently going through their own faith journey or have been somewhere along their faith journey and are able to interpret and understand this whole God thing and the Bible thing. Um, on, on their own level, right? And it's not necessarily like bending the rules, right? Because who made these rules? Who, 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 um, you know, who, who said that this is how it's supposed to be? It's very, it's deeply personal on my part. And for those individuals that I've met, it's deeply personal. And I think once you allow yourself to get to that deeply personal state, then you'll be able to go into those and infiltrate those other spaces. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, and I guess so, Damien, the question is for you, how has that process been? Um, understanding your own journey and what you've described to us, was queerness a part of any of the challenges that you were having in terms of working through how you felt about um, religion at the time? Or, yeah. In chapter two of my book, I speak about that process long before I had the vocabulary of LGBTQ or what gay was or what Bula was uh, or Batiman <laughs> was. The accent with which he says Batiman is hilarious. <laughs> A Batiman. I was being called that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what that meant. And going to church, those days I was a, a really great singer. And I was smart. And so when it came to singing or what, especially when we had guests or doing some kind of reading or speech when we had guests, I was always called upon. So those things were seen as effeminacy. Mm. Those things were seen as not being masculine. But those were the things that were praised and that were affirmed and that were giving a space in church. Yet, outside of that context, my limp wrist, my walk with a sway, my own expressions were frowned upon and were seen as unworthy. So I grew up with that kind of dichotomy of, of being affirmed and then being despised in the same community. And I always, when we would fast and pray, ask God, why can't I walk like, and I would find somebody who I thought that is how I should walk like, to not be, to not have a gender expression different from the one that, Mm -hmm. yeah, I identify. And I prayed and I, cried and I prayed and I served. I think I served in church in every area and on every department other than women's ministry. And I was faithful. And I asked God, I went through that journey. Um, I completed two, I was first a teacher. So I studied education first. 
and I went to teaching and then I knew I wanted to become a lawyer and I did two years of that and I felt a call to ministry and I came to Jamaica and that same thing started to happen. I was praised for my mind. I was praised for starting um, or performing arts ministry at, at, at campus while restarting and, and all of those kinds of things. But my what they call effeminacy, that man shouldn't act that way, was frowned upon and I was ostracized. And so the community became a space of disdain. And because my faith was attached to the community and not to me finding that personal connection to the divine myself, I rejected everything until I found myself full circle and I explained all of that. So yes, my, my, my queerness had a lot to do with how I navigated this journey. How was it that I was able to make peace and reconcile that my whole being could accommodate all of who I am? And part of my connection, that authentic connection with God is when I am able to bring all of who I am before God and there find acceptance and love and peace and joy. Thank you for that. Um, Kareem, was it something similar? Uh, well, as you did say, the affirming spaces did help. You want to add to anything? And maybe potentially Cornell, um, you can talk or comment as well. Um, I think, f um, no, it was pretty similar, definitely. It was definitely the affirming spaces. And then additionally, because of where I am um, and because of the visibility of allies outside of the affirming spaces, it definitely helped. So, for example, the church that I'm um, currently worshiping at now, the I went in. I went mostly because of my mom. She wanted to find this Methodist church. I, great, I found it. Let's go check it out. And I was a bit hesitant about whether or not, you know, I would be accepted there or or um, not necessarily accepted there, but would I, what are kind of the, the fights that I'd have, what are the battles that I'd have to engage in while I'm there? And um, it was June and it was Pride Month. It's traditionally Pride Month here in the U.S. And the lead pastor, Reverend Veronica P. Palmer, she went up onto the pulpit and she, um, it wasn't necessarily get a pride month, but she just, she was doing the welcome. And she said something to the effect of like, um, tall or short, fat or slim, gay or straight, all are welcome here. This is God's house. And I was like, okay, I could slowly let my guard down. All right. This is great. I can continue to grow spiritually here. If I, if I so choose. And then, I think it was like the following Sunday she came in and on her, I don't know, her robe or whatever that pastoral garment is called, she had um, a pride pin. And I looked at it and I was like, hmm, okay. And I confessed to her like years later, like, you know, I, I wasn't going to come to your church. And then I saw your pride pin and I was like, okay, at least if stuff starts to get hot and heavy here, at least I know I have an ally who are at least somebody who understands, you know, what I'm going through and whatever. And she was just like, honestly, you know, like I am LGBTQ accepting and affirming and so on. And I'm an ally to the community. But that Sunday when I wore the pin, 
it wasn't even intentional. It was just there from, I went to a meeting and we got it. It was just there. And I just happened to wear that robe that Sunday. And I'm like, well, this is, and we're like really close now. Like we chit chat, we text and everything, but allies outside of the affirming space has definitely been helpful to my, um, my faith journey and to my, being able to reconcile like queerness with spirituality or my faith. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I admire and respect people who have been able to reconcile their sexuality and um, their faith. My position at the, t- and I mean, I, per- it's, it might be the case that at some point um, I, you know, I might decide to become more intentional or focused about my spiritual or religious journey, but I'm on the place now where I would prefer not to be um, within a kind of like church space if I can help it. Like I've had, you know, Jesus. Okay. Some very cruel things, some very hostile things have been said to me by people who call themselves Christians and they have used the word of God to make these statements. And yeah, I mean, and I don't know. And maybe, I don't know, maybe this might be a whole like trauma thing. I know people uh, don't all think that way in terms of um, how they understand their own Christianity or their relationship with, with God. But I've seen the things that people can do or have done um, in the name of religion or in the name of their faith. And I would prefer like not to go there with them. So, I mean, that's kind of generally where I'm at at this point. Um, but I mean, things might change later on in life. So um, so I think it's critical to acknowledge that what happened, mm-hmm. and then you talked about some of the experiences in the previous episodes, and it's critical to acknowledge that what happened to you um, shouldn't have and you are well within your rights to stay away from spaces of trauma. You're well within your rights to deal with trauma which in, which, in whichever way you want to, and that is completely fine. And as much as I am not religious at all and it has nothing to do with my queerness, I get it completely. Um, and critically, though, I think what has been said here um, might be a space in the future whenever um, mm-hmm. for you to think through that there is faith outside of church. And there is spirituality outside of religion, outside of the constructs and the confines of that which is oppressive, which is where Damien began. And so whenever you are at that point, if it does matter to you, you can start to begin that process of finding that spirituality, finding that faith outside of those constructs. I know that it is possible to find it outside of those constructs. Um, and and then so, I come out from of healing. Um, and let me say, I'm not religious at all, and I'm not. I don't consider myself a person of faith or spirituality, even though somebody said maybe it's just how oh, I'm thinking about spirituality. But just as just to kind of think through that at your own speed, at your own pace, work mm-hmm. through these issues. Just know that it is possible, and that there are communities, though, just like the ones that Kareem describes, just like the one that Damon talks about, um, where you can begin that healing process. And I think um, this is probably a useful venture for us um, to wrap up by sending a message to people who are in Cornell circumstances or other people, or people who want, who are in the middle of 
wanting to stay in church, wanting to stay in those um, spaces of faith, but have queerness and are being told that their queerness disqualifies them from that space. What would you, Kareem, you, Damien, say to those persons? I would say that where you are now is exactly where you need to be in your journey. Your journey is yours. Yeah? I, in my own journey, I had to step away from faith so that my faith is derived from me. So that after that faith has been tried, it can stand any test. Plato's allegory of the cave is, is how I live my life. Why am I in that space that I felt is oppressive and oppressed me? Because once that person escapes the cave in Plato's allegory, he goes back or she goes back to take he or she who is there who needs to get out of the cave, out of the cave. I think when we think of our brothers and sisters, we have also a responsibility to those who are in the space and who are invisible to become visible, to come out of the margin and come at the table and to know, to know that wherever they are, not an iota of their worth has been diminished. So where you are is where you need to be and be confident in that because once you have embraced your worth and your worthiness, you have begun to embrace that which is more than you are. <laughs> Girl, I'm going to follow that. <laughs> Wicked bad. <laughs> I think... There's one thing, um, this is one thing that I really would like to um, emphasize. And for anybody who's listening, I would love for you to be able to just reflect on that. And it's the statement that really, one of the ones that really helped me is the idea of God is love and love is for everyone. And by everyone, it means you, right? You're not excluded from that love. You're worthy of that love. You, you, you deserve that love. And as you are, where you are, you you deserve that love. And if you happen to change after come encountering that love, then it's all a part of the divine plan. It's all it's all a part of of God's plan, um, as Drake says. But I, I that's one thing I would leave with everybody: like God is love, and love is for everyone. So if you believe in God, you have every right to believe in God. Um, if you're a Batman, you believe God loves you right as you are, and you have access to that love. And you don't need anybody else to, to qualify that access. There's no gatekeeper um, as it relates to that. There's no bouncer. There's no there's nobody who can come between you and that love. And it's personal. So, you know, walk boldly with that, if you may, and 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 access your love. It's yours. It's it's there for you. And with that, um, I'd like to remind everyone to follow us on our socials at Fishy Podcasts um, on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter. Email us at fishtpodcasts at gmail.com for questions, concerns, comments, feedback, suggestions, anything. This has been a powerful episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Damien, for facilitating me. <laughs> To have this very important conversation for so many um, queer people, people of faith, um, separately and, and intersectionally. 
um, because this is a this is a very important, often controversial topic, um, and to just let people know that it is possible to have both. And as far as we know, God didn't say you couldn't have both at the same time. So don't let anybody tell you Ayo. otherwise. So thank you for listening <laughs> and stay sophisticated. Bye. <laughs>